0: Welcome into Poke the Bear, episode eighty nine. Connor, eighty nine. There's no eighty nines in Bruins history unless I'm missing someone. I, I think don't.
1: it's uh, isn't it Z- uh, Zdenek Blatny? So they say his name? The dude yes. who's like he played like what was it? Oh five? Oh, it was like I think it was a Mike Sullivan's last year.
0: It I must have been like he
1: was one of those other guys that just jumped in late. So I I know for sure there's not like there's many other eighty nines hanging around her. So I believe it's him. Zdenek
0: Blatney. There we go. That's the 89. That's the Zdenek Blatney episode. Uh, I'm Evan Maronofsky. That is Connor Ryan. Connor, how you doing?
1: Evan, doing well. How you doing?
0: Doing great. Doing great. And uh, if if, uh, Bruins fans were unaware uh, or or forgot how obnoxious Maple Leafs Twitter could be, uh, they were reminded of it. Uh, uh tuesday night and wednesday morning i think that was quite clear uh with everything that went on in tuesday night's game which we will spend most of this episode kind of dis- not dissecting but kind of picking things apart should you be worried about this should you be worried about that uh, obviously the bruins lose six to four wasn't really a six four game it was six one at one point like again you know they they quote unquote, won the third period but didn't come close to winning the game so um there are people, everyone's kind of on a different area with this. Some people are overreacting uh, or some people are reacting saying that, oh, my God, this is really bad. Shows the, where the Bruins are in the Atlantic or maybe they're not as high as we thought. And there's others who are saying it, it's no big deal. You know, it's one game in regular season. Again, seven game series. You know, you, you, anything can happen There's a team that can get worn down easily. Where do you fall on that pendulum?
1: I mean, I'd like to, I think, probably fall more in the line of focusing on maybe the bigger picture and the longer sample size. And again, granted, it that game had all the makings of a very good statement game. You had the Maple Leafs coming to Boston. They were playing their third game in four nights. Seemed like a prime opportunity to land kind of a knockout punch against you get another team in the Atlantic Division. You saw that just a few days ago with Tampa Bay. So. You go down, you know, six-one to a team like uh, Toronto, uh, given all the history, given the fact they haven't played each other in a long time. Of course, it's going to sting, and they deserve kind of the criticism they got because we focus a lot on the defense, which was the big Achilles' heel in this one, whether it be Connor Clifton, Brennan Kahlo. Uh, But beyond that, it was just execution was off all around, right? Like Jeremy Swayman really wasn't sharp. Um, a lot of like passes, you know, getting out of the defensive zone, we're hitting guys in the skates careless with the puck a whole bunch of stuff like it was a very very poor game all around um i think i posted a gif of uh during the game of patrick ewing in space Sham when the monsters take his energy and that guy like you know inbounds the ball and hits him off the chest that's what the bruins like looked like for most of that game especially in the first two periods like just completely off so it's very disappointing to have a result like that but and you can make the argument that the Bruins do need to fine tune their game, especially against a, a team like Toronto. That even though we've talked about it before, that they've got evident flaws. They're still a good team. Like we, we'll give them credit. You know the the Maple Leafs fans that were roasting us on the YouTube channel uh, immediately after that loss, or or uh, on Twitter. Give them credit. They are a good team. Like and they will they will bury you if you give them multiple opportunities. You make things easy for them. They will cash in many times, as you saw in that game. That being said, I think for the Bruins fans, if you know, as much as some maybe want to paint the doom and gloom of losing to a team like Toronto in a regular season game, I still think they're fine. Like they're they need to definitely fine-tune things. I think these still have some questions that need to be answered on that decor in terms of getting probably that best personnel uh, set before you get to the playoffs. But I'm focusing more on the fact that they're still in a 14, three, and one stretch as opposed to one disappointing loss against uh against Toronto, which again. They were due for a stinker. You would have probably it would have been an easier pill to swallow, even if it was a team like New Jersey. Right. Who's not a playoff team, probably mad that they they would play down to a competition like that. But it's inevitable. Right. The fact that I think it happens against Toronto in a game like that, where it seems like the Bruins are building so much momentum. I think that's that's what makes it sting a lot more.
0: Yes. And again, I think a lot of people had high expectations for the game from a Bruins perspective. Again, Maple Leafs perspective, if you're a Maple Leafs fan or or you're on the Maple Leafs, like, that was a terrific game. Oh, yeah. uh, but again, having it in Boston, the atmosphere just really wasn't there. I think a lot of people kind of panicked about it. Uh, but it is an interesting thing. You bring up the decor because this was a big subject of discussion. It was really bad in the first period. And it got worse as the game went on. Uh, and everyone kind of pinned it on Clifton because again, two goal one, you know, one was just off a turnover. That was a block shot. Uh, and obviously, you know, again, Clifton, not to sound mean here, but he's replaceable, right? You can, you can plug and place guys in for Connor Clifton who you can't really replace is Brandon Carlo. And I think that's one thing that gets overlooked quite a bit is a guy like Carlo. You don't have, another, you know, guy with a ceiling who can shut down anybody in the league, right? Like that's, I think that's sort of the issue there with Clifton, you can throw Josh Brown and you can throw Mike Riley, in, which is probably what's going to end up happening, uh, which we'll get to later in today's show, but you can't replace Brendan Carlo. And again, this is a problem we've seen all season where uh, the play just isn't there. The shutdown, uh, the, you know, the missed coverages in front of the net just ain't there.
1: Yeah, I think that's probably the more concerning thing in a game like this, where, as you said, you can replace Clifton. And I think Clifton's had his, you know, spurts where he's been very effective. I think he's the perfect 7-D, right, where I think if you have him for an extended stretch of time, you might be running into some issues, like as you saw in that game uh, against Toronto. But when you need him in a pinch, you need him in a playoff series, uh, when you've got guys taking a lot of damage, he gets value there. Brennan Kahlo is not a guy that you can take in and out of the lineup where you shouldn't be, if you want to be maximizing your decor, right? Like the Bruins have it set up that Brendan Kahlo is a guy that's entrenched on that second pair and can be a, uh shutdown, stay at home option there and solidify that second pair. And hasn't really been the case so far this year. And again, I think his play is overall, maybe stabilized a little bit over the last couple of weeks with, uh, with Matt Grislyk. But then you have a team like Toronto, who, again, you have to be playing at your best because one, Q, and it can be in the back of the net, as we saw many times in this game on, on Tuesday night. So to have Carlo struggle in that spot, it's a tough hit because it's not just the fact that it was Carlo and Gryzik that were getting kind of hemmed in there. What the bigger issue was is that running Carlo saw quite a bit of time with Hampus Lindholm. It wasn't good. I want to say that uh, I, I was looking at the numbers earlier. I think Toronto had a 13 to two edge in shot attempts when Lindholm and Carlo were out there together. Not great. Because I think I think as we've talked about before, when it comes to balancing out these D pairs, obviously, from what we've seen, small sample size, but Lindholm and McAvoy, really, really good together, like very, very good. You can roll those guys out and be pretty and be pretty set there. But I think if you want to find maybe the best equilibrium or have the luxury of being able to switch those guys off, depending on a game situation you'd like to probably either have Lindholm stabilizing that second pair with Kahlo or have it be a spot where you keep Lindholm and McAvoy. They're great, but you can, you can switch them around if you're chasing a, a, a lead late and you need grizzlick and McAvoy and it works out that way. So to have a, a game like that, where Lindholm you know, labors when he's kind of put with a guy like Brennan Kahlo, not great. So whether it's, you just keep McAvoy uh, and Lindholm together and you just kind of trudge ahead with Grizzlick. I guess that's one of the better options. I'm sure they'll still give that those, you know, switched around deep pairs more of a look going forward, but ideally you'd like to see just more of a stabilizing presence there. And you did not get any of that to say the least on Tuesday against Toronto.
0: No, you didn't. But again, I mean, again, this could take time, you know, again, like this is, it, it could take a little bit of time for Lindholm and Carlo to kind of figure out how to play with each other. The only thing is again, like Lindholm and McAvoy didn't even take him a game. So it's like, you know, and again, McAvoy and Carlo are completely different defensemen. But at the same time, hey, you never know. It could work out down the stretch. The one thing is, though, with Carlo, again, he's, he just hasn't looked the same all season. I think it's been the issue is like, again, um, you know, you just like, the turnovers and, you know, just coverages that he would have had two, three years ago aren't there. And obviously he's had lengthy concussion issues. He's had other injuries uh, in his kind of not young career at this point, because it's getting to be 16, 17 was his first season. So that's like. Six, seven why years. We're not, we're not math, majors yeah, no, math he's, majors. he's been around so, for a little bit. I was doing that in my head as we were saying that, but he's been around for like, he's not a rookie anymore. He's not, you know, a young guy, so to speak anymore. So uh, again, it's not good to see that he's not playing to the level he really should be at. Um, and you hope that it's nothing to do with the concussions. I think that's the biggest thing because that's yeah. really hard to fix. Um, and again, if the Bruins are gonna make any sort of run, I mean, in 2019, when you remember, like he was, their a guy back there. They were he awesome. Terrific uh, with Tori Krug. And you know, you could put him up against. I mean, everybody goes back to that Panarin uh, where he was breaking up Panarin at the blue line and the Bruins went the other way and scored immediately. But there were so many plays uh during that cup run when he was just dynamite back there. And that's a big reason why you got there. So interesting thing with that. Um, not a very I mean, uh, he's, he, right now, he's not a very safe bet, right? But you expect him to become a little bit safer as the season goes along. But when we're talking safe bets, no matter what, no matter what, we're talking about our good friends over at Bet Online.
1: Right, you are, Evan. Listen up, guys. After months of playing, college basketball has determined the top teams for the final four. And they're set to play for the national championship this coming week. Looking to wager these games? Head over to the Bet Online website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus. On your first deposit, just use our promo code CLNS50 to get started. That's CLNS50. BetOnline Online remains your number one spot for all your updated odds and information, along with player props and great contests throughout the year. Bet Online should be your continued source for all your sports wagering needs, including live betting in your favorite Vegas casino and poker games. It's super easy to get started to join today. One why everyone is saying Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all the popular sports and games, including the NHL. Bet Online with the game
0: stats. Stats. Where are the game stats. So the most controversial play uh, Wednesday or Tuesday night was uh, Ilya Labushkin. It's Ilya, right? I got that correct. Yes. Yep. Sure. Okay. Just making sure. Uh, hit Taylor Hall. Looked it was kind of from behind. Hall got right up, I mean, it wasn't really just kind of from behind. It was from behind, like I, I, I saw it from behind. Hall gets up, hits him in the, hits him uh, from behind uh, in the face. Looked, I mean, Taylor Hall's no fighter, so again, I'm not going to judge. I'm neither am I. But it looked to be like an open hand. It wasn't like a fist. It was, Will it was Smith. just like it was Will Smith. It was an open hand hit to the side of uh, Labushkin's head, and Labushkin went down had to be taken off the ice, and he was uh, done for the game. So uh, Leafs fans were all over Twitter saying that this should be a suspension. There were some saying that it was like the Todd Bertuzzi incident uh, when he was with the uh, Vancouver Canucks, or when he was with the Red Wings. Um, it was it was just a – that was an awful scene. This was nothing like this. It's
1: not that, no. Not
0: no. at all. Not even remotely close. And to see uh, – and, and again, Taylor Hall got a $5,000 fine out of it. I do think, again, I think, you know, it is, I think Lavushkin. do I, you know, did he overreact? I don't know. You know, is he soft? I don't know. Didn't look like that hard of a punch to me. But given all that, I'm not surprised Taylor Hall was suspended. But I'm, I am mean, I'm, no, no, not suspended. I'm not surprised he was fined. Yeah. And I'm also not surprised he wasn't suspended because this wasn't a suspendable play. I, I don't understand the, the argument for it.
1: Yeah, I, I think it's one of those things where yeah, it makes plenty of sense why he would get fined uh, if he had, like, a, a hearing or something and, and it would come of it. Maybe it's the NHL doing its due diligence, which is fine. Like, it was an unfortunate play where – I mean, I, I don't know if whether it was Lubushkin, like, hitting the ice hard that caused the injury, what have you, because, again, it didn't look like it was – a. Uh, heavy, you know, haymaker or or something like that. And I think it's one of those ones where it's unfortunate play all around. We talked about this before. It's almost like it always seems like it's Taylor Hall who's getting involved in these things. It was like uh, McKinnon, right, where you would think like Landis started and think that he like beheaded Nathan McKinnon off of that play that was more incidental. Granted, this one had more intent, right, where, I mean, he clearly Hall was pissed because he pretty much got boarded, didn't get a call and hit him. So I mean there is intent behind there. It wasn't like the freak bang bang play that it was with McKinnon, but still it wasn't the, the Bertuzzi incident. I mean Bertuzzi like followed him around. There was clear history there between those two teams, uh leading up to that. Was pretty much like hovering around him for the whole game and then like not only punched him, but then pile drived his like neck into the ice. Yes. Like broke you know, that his. That was spot. in court. Broke his neck. That went to court. Yes. Yes, exactly. Yeah. No, that was that was legitimate intent to, to hurt a guy. And again, yeah, he pile-drived him into the ice that was a crime that
0: wasn't like just a penalty that was an actual crime yeah so a big huge difference
1: right and again it's i think what we talk about in any situation we've got two sides that are fighting you can find a rational middle ground which no one wants to do but again should hall have done it probably not loss is cool but suspendable offense probably not and definitely not Bertuzzi incident again you can make the case that maybe if he got a one game suspension I probably wouldn't agree with it but you know what 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 have you he got his he got fined you hope Lubushkin's okay with whatever happened there whether it's him hitting the ice or what what have you don't want to ever see a guy get hurt um but again uh not Bertuzzi come on guys no
0: no, not even close but I'm with you I mean again I I hope Lubushkin's fine like it's not Again, I'm not saying he's, you know, I don't want to say that he's soft because again, if he hit the ice hard or something like that, it was a freak thing with his head. Like, I don't, I'm not going to speculate. I don't want to like judge someone for that. But if it was just the punch, just the eye test didn't look that hard. So who knows? Uh, But yeah, again, I just didn't think it was suspendable. The suspension I don't get. And then the Bertuzzi stuff, people, there was one Twitter account who like tweeted the video and was like, this is just like Todd, you know, Todd Bertuzzi and Steve Moore. It's like, no. Actually, it's not even close. It isn't remotely close. Um, And again, should Taylor Hall have done that? No, probably not. You know, but again, like lost his cool standing up for himself. I don't know. It's it's, again, two sides to every argument like this. As
1: as they usually say in hockey, Evan, uh, shit happens.
0: Shit happens. Stuff happens in games. And what are you going to do? Okay, so move on from Taylor Hall and that whole thing. Uh, again, he will not miss any time because he's not suspended. Uh, but uh, there could be some people on, on D who are missing some time and not because of suspensions, but because uh, Cassie mentioned after Tuesday's game that he was looking to make changes anyways, so it wasn't like Tuesday was the end-all be-all, but it was kind of the thing that got hit the ball rolling on, hey, let's get some new guys on D. feels like uh, Mike Riley and Josh Brown are going to be back in or are going to be in on Thursday night. Are they going to be together? How do you see this sort of figuring itself out?
1: I think that's going to be the interesting thing because I think the one that makes plenty of sense as Clifton obviously slotting out and you want to either see, I mean, you want to see both guys, right? Whether it's Riley who I think is an interesting guy to put on that third pair, especially on the right side. Cause I think one, you just see how he would fare on the right side because you know, I'm probably getting ahead of what we're going to talk about, but I feel like the best third pairing for this team in terms of maximizing the talent out there is probably forward on the left and Riley on the right. So I'm sure you probably want to see that at some point, but Cassidy even mentioned before Tuesday's game that maybe it's in one of these upcoming games against you know Jersey or, or Columbus that maybe they get Forbert and uh, and Clifton a night off and you try the the Riley Brown pairing just to one get these guys reps, which is I think what they uh, really want to focus on. But also you can see both of them in action. Like I I think maybe if you're the Bruins and you got a little bit of this window here, maybe it's not rip off the band aid, but have the opportunity to just flip those those pairings around so you get to one get riley back into a game so he responds and also just see what a guy i like brown can give you um so i i wouldn't be surprised if they roll out uh, riley and brown as a pairing but uh you hope over this kind of next stretch of games they also maybe give riley a game with fulbert just to see how he plays because again i think cassidy is framed in that way in terms of just reps is the most important thing but it's also you know, not ideal you want to give a guy like Fulbert the night off, who I don't think was particularly poor in that game against Toronto. Um, but I think throughout these next couple of games, you're going to see a lot of switching on that their deep air because, as we saw, it's still a lot of work in progress in terms of finding out what's that best six-man unit for the Bruins on defense going forward.
0: The big question I think a lot of people are wondering, and it's kind of a weird thing to think about because you never – you never thought it would come to this, but do you think, and we were talking about this on the way back from recording after uh, Tuesday night's game. Do you think a night off for Brandon Carlo would do him any good up on level nine? Or is he someone who needs to just play through everything he's going through?
1: I feel like it's something that the Bruins want to just more or less get him playing and getting him feeling confident about his game. I feel like Bruce Cassidy was asked that, I think earlier in the year, where I think he had a kind of extended stretch who was really struggling. And I think for them, it's more of, there's some guys where it's important to maybe sit him for a game and send that message. But I think for other guys where it's got like Brennan Carlo, who, you know, his play is struggling. The Bruins need Brennan Carlo, right? On that defense, They need him to be playing at a high level and playing confidently, which I think uh, for a guy like that, who's a stay at home guy has a set bread and butter to his game, uh, you know, has a set way to play to his strengths. I think for him, for them, probably the focus is just getting him, um, the focus is just getting him playing to his strengths and playing confidently. And I think maybe for them, the focus is just keeping him in there, getting those reps and fighting through it, as opposed to maybe sitting out a game where maybe you're second guessing or you're letting the mistakes from that game against Toronto kind of plague what you're thinking. And that could all vary depending on the player, but I feel like for the Bruins in, in general, where they've got, what is it? 16 games left. I think the focus is probably more keeping Carlo in there, trying to build that confidence up, and especially keep on seeing what's maybe the best fit for him on that line, on that pairing. You know, whether it's Grizzly I can keep on building that chemistry with him, or again, even though Hampus Lindholm and Carlo wasn't a very good pair against Toronto, I'm sure they're still going to give them some more reps down the stretch here to see if maybe they can balance things out, uh, kind of going into the postseason a little bit.
0: Yeah, and again, that's stu- it's it, it's tough to sort of find that. uh, what right spot with a guy like Brandon Carlo and kind of on D uh, depending on what they end up doing. Um, but uh, anyways, we've hit everything we needed to hit uh, for this week's episode. Again, pretty quick one. Uh, you know, again, the Bruins play tonight against uh, the New Jersey devils to Rask back in the building uh, for yes. the ceremony for ceremonial puck drop. So uh, you can look forward to that. You can blame Rask if they lose. That's a, that's a fun thing. He he's in the building. See, so see if he issue. gets a,
1: uh, see if he gets a new drum set.
0: Yes. A new drum set would be very nice. Maybe he'll be the emergency backup goalie uh, for the game. And then maybe there's a way they can throw Raskin one last time and he gets to suit up and maybe they'll put him on the bench, you know, just to kind of get the people going. Um, crazy to think he played this year. Like, doesn't that feel like forever know. ago? At yes, this point? it does. Long time ago. Uh, anyways, uh, Connor, what can people look forward to from you over at BSJ?
1: Yeah. Over at BHA we'll have our uh, usual daily content in terms of, uh, you know, game reports, columns, uh, breakdowns, uh, working on a few more features, we're trying to cram in as many features as we can before the playoffs ramp up, where it's pretty much every single day is going to be very game centric going forward. So have a few more projects in the works that we're excited to share over the next couple of weeks as we get to the, the sprint to the finish line of the regular season, I guess. Uh, so all that stuff will be over at BSJ. So subscribe at Channel.com. Want to follow me on Twitter? Do that at Connor Ryan underscore 93.
0: Go do all that. That's Connor Ryan. I'm Evan Marinovsky. You poke the bear, listeners. Have a great rest of your day.